1: And this This is is DBT
0: DBT and me. Hi, everybody. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Welcome to our monthly episode. For February. <laughs> I was about to say for March, so we can tell. That's how how on top of things I am, apparently, with time and space today. <laughs> right. I already feel like we're done with February. Yes. I mean, by the time this episode is released, we will be basically done with February. But at the time that we're recording it, it's not it's not, it's that not. time quite yet. <laughs> but, but it feels it. <laughs> it definitely feels it. Yeah. Um, so I'll introduce the topic for today. First, before I go into some promotional stuff, as we typically do, but basically, you know, as Kate and I have continued to think about different topics for monthly episodes, one of the things that I went through a while ago and did was I pretty much just combed through the DBT manual and I went, what handouts haven't we talked about, right? We've talked about all the major skills, of course, but then DBT actually has these really cool little, I don't know, just these little like tucked away handouts where I'm like, this actually is very, very valuable information that's adjacent to a skill. And that's really what we're going to be talking about today. So if you think to the interpersonal effectiveness module, one of the skills in that module is give. And give is all about validation and relationship building. And DBT has these handouts though in the manual that talk about what can you do when you are invalidated by another person. So it has these handouts, which we talked about in the Give episode at length about, well, how do you validate another person? What are the different ways that that can look and how can you do that? But I found this handout that I thought was really important to talk about uh, when it comes to recovering from invalidation by other people. And so that's our topic for today, is that we're going to be going over what that handout says about how it doesn't feel good, of course, to be invalidated. That doesn't feel good at all. And also, what can you do when it happens? So the way this episode is going to look, actually probably similar to the last monthly episode where we talked about the biosocial theory, It's split into boxes, (laughs) so we're basically just going to go through, and Kate and I are going to take turns reading each of the boxes, but then we're just going to be sharing some of our own reflections, our own thoughts, what we think is most important or stands out the most to us from each of the different boxes on the handout. We'll make sure to post in the Facebook group for all of you if you want to find this stuff and read it over on your own time and think about it a little bit deeper But that's what we're going to be doing today is talking about how you can recover from invalidation when that happens in your relationships, which I can guarantee it will. And it already has. We have all been invalidated (laughs) by somebody at some point in time in either a way that perhaps majorly impacted and stuck with us or a way that might have felt a little more minor or not impacted us as much, but invalidation happens. It definitely does. So we're gonna be giving you the tools today to know how you can use DBT to recover from it when it happens to you. All right, but getting into promotion stuff, we have three new patrons to shout out this month. So yeah, really exciting there. So we are shouting out Carrie, Jean, Allie, and Noelle. So thank you all of you thank for becoming you. patrons. We appreciate Yes, you. it means a lot. Um, if you want to become a patron, the link is in the show notes to do that. But the specific website you can go to is patreon.com slash dbt and me. Um, if you haven't gotten your hands on our book yet, please do. We would love for you to order our book. It is official. I don't think this was in place the last monthly episode. But now, thank you finally for the glitch being fixed on Amazon you can get it for Kindle. So if that's something you were really wanting is to get our book in ebook format, you can now go on Amazon, just type into the search bar DBT for everyone and you'll see our book and you can now get it on Kindle in addition to the audiobook and the paperback. And thanks
1: to the couple of people reasons. who have done reviews. We appreciate you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. We have a few more reviews up now which just makes our day we cannot <laughs> we we cannot tell you enough how much it makes our day to know that what we put out into the world is helpful <laughs> I mean <laughs> you know again we talked about this I think in our episode about the book you know you write this thing so on your own in the solitary place that then you just release it and you don't know what's going to happen and reviews let us know what's happening so order the book if you haven't already or write us a review if you've already read it, and hopefully liked it. Um, We would love to hear feedback from all of you on the book. Uh, You can check out our Etsy shop, etsy.com slash shop slash dbt and me, and find cool stuff on there that's dbt related. Uh, We've really been touting up the last few months to please, as I was talking about with the book, review the book on Amazon if you've read it. You can also write us a rating or give us a, write us a rating, give us a rating, write us a review on (laughs) Apple Podcasts. There we go. Uh, That's another way you can let us know how we're doing. And um, you can also just send us emails, dbtmepodcast at gmail.com. We love, love, love getting emails in all their various forms that they come to us in. So please reach out to us that way if you have questions about anything, feedback about anything. We just love hearing from you guys. A final piece would be um, checking out our other podcasts too if you haven't done that already, The Couch in the Chair. And there's links in the show notes as well to find it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So wherever you listen, you can just find The Couch in the Chair and get more of Kate and I okay. if hearing from us Once a month here on DBT and Me is not enough. so I think that's it for promotional things. So let's get into it. Yeah, you get to start us off with reading the first box on the handout.
1: I will do that just after uh, I give my disclaimer for it True, yes. (laughs) Uh, Which comes with a bit of interesting education. Um, So my body has been in pretty significant rebellion in the last week or so, uh, especially around food uh, and nausea. So uh, to put it blatantly, I'm feeling like shit warmed over today. Uh, And part of that is calorie deficit. uh, And one of the things I was talking to Michelle about before the uh, episode started was that our brains use 20% of the calories that we consume in order to function and have us be intelligent, thoughtful human beings. <laughs> and I have not been having enough calories, so I feel sluggish physically and mentally. Uh, also, Tend to your please skills, kiddos. Uh, Also much more emotionally vulnerable this week. (laughs) So anyway, I'm here. I'm happy to be here as I can be. I'm I'm physically uncomfortable and feel like my IQ is dropped by like 30 points. So uh, just bear with me, guys. I might be slightly less enthusiastic or quick (laughs) than I am usually. So. That's where I'm at today, just as a check. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and for God And I'll be picking up closing moment. I forgot to mention that. Oh, true. Um, to help you out, but yeah. yeah. Okay, so here the first page, which I think is important for giving context
1: to the first two boxes, uh, note, uh, says, notice that invalidation can be helpful and painful at the same time, which I think is an important dialectic to keep in mind this just the whole time for this episode today. Uh, a lot of what we'll do is sort of pointing out both sides of uh, what that is like. So uh, the top box is remember that invalidation is helpful when... One, it corrects important mistakes. So, if your facts are wrong, or two, it stimulates intellectual and personal growth by listening to other views.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it just gives those two big reasons. I mean, which a lot can be those are big headings. Yes. <laughs> In both of those reasons, right? So I was kind of thinking for myself. Well, when are some times where I have found? invalidation to be helpful more than it might be painful. And thinking about those two different categories that it names. For myself, I don't know. I resonated more with the first one of that sometimes, you know, we get our facts wrong. We just do. We we misremember things. We think we know all there is to know about a situation. And then Somebody chimes in and gives us new information that we had no idea about, and that actually may really change our point of view on things. And so that was really hitting home for me of thinking about times where I've maybe had people jump in when I'm telling them my take on something and they've maybe said, oh, well, Michelle, actually, and kind of corrected or added in some information that I didn't know before, that I... Have found that helpful. I think the biggest thing, though, that's important about that for me is this sounds so cliche, right? That expression of like, it's not what you say, but how you say it. But I really am the kind of person that I th- think it is so important how you say something. Um, how a message is communicated really really matters and so I think with both of those things that it talks about in that box it's still going to be really important if that invalidation is going to feel helpful that hopefully what's happening is you are having the people who are invalidating you we could say my hope would be for you that they're doing it in a way that's that's loving right loving respectful Not being like, oh, well, you should have known blah, 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 right? (laughs) You know, we're that kind of a thing. And sometimes what we need to do is if it comes across that way, where maybe people don't have the best delivery, it is us trying to wade through and figure out, okay, what are they trying to say here? I may not have liked the way they just said it at all and think that their delivery left something to be desired for sure, but if I really try to look at it, what are they trying to get at here? and trying to maybe bring in some reason mind to help with that, um, I believe, with those first two first two points in this box. Um, so that's kind of what I was thinking about, like, oh, for me, is is there still a way where if somebody is trying to point out a way that I was wrong or, Um, that kind of a thing, are there ways where it's felt better and ways where it's felt worse? And yes, that's definitely true. And I still think it's kind of on us to be able to look at, even if there have been times where, again, the delivery hasn't been the best, if we can really wade through and get to one of those two reasons for what they're trying to say, that's probably ultimately the goal. Um, And that, yeah, I have had experiences, especially with the first one where It has felt more helpful than painful when I've been invalidated, when people are definitely trying to make sure that I have all my facts straight, I can work with that. And I still appreciate, hopefully decent delivery, if I get it, but we don't always. um, And some of that just comes down to, you know, really recognizing and accepting where people are at. And that sometimes they may not always be in the best spot themselves. And we can have that dialectic further of being like, okay, I wish that was delivered better. And I also can appreciate the message that was intended. That's my take on the first box.
1: I love it. Also, i are all listening to you give your, uh, your thoughts, Michelle. I realized that the first sign or symptom of my lack of mental acuity today is I said the exact same thing. Like, I apparently did not read your point at all. And it's <laughs> Almost literally verbatim what you said, which is fucking fantastic. So apparently we agree. Uh, let's We're we'll just to start TV. with that one, <laughs> which is that delivery matters so much here that I can all, I can handle when my like my thoughts or my knowledge or my behavior or etc are invalidated if someone can validate me. Or, like, how I got mm-hmm. to where I am as part of the message, right? Um, especially help if it's first, like, I see how you got there. Also, your totes wrong. Um, you know, that lands a lot better than you're wrong. I'm like, okay, maybe true, but it's going to be harder to hear uh, without mm-hmm. the mix of validation and invalidation. Um, I really liked, actually, the, what you're saying, Michelle, about uh, trying to, un- like, hear the underlying message even when it's delivered poorly. Um all right, poorly. That's even a judgment. In a way, we did not like or could not connect with well. Mm. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons I say that is because one of the places I run into this the most is actually with my husband, Robert, um, that he tends to use flowery language or somewhat hyperbolic language or things to get his point across or make an impact. And I am wildly literal. Um, Wildly literal. And so, if what he's saying isn't literally true or literal fact, I tend to argue just immediately and knee jerk, um, because it's not literal. And I totally miss any validity to his underlying message, right? Like, I don't look deeper than the absolute strict definitions of the words being used. Um, So this is a place of growth for me. This is the thing I'm working on, uh, personally, is being able to go, all right, I may not like (laughs) the particular way that this message was given to me. Also, technically, the delivery doesn't have anything to do with the honesty or validity or truth of what's being said. Right, and so trying to uh, separate out the delivery from the message, I think, can be really helpful uh, in helping us like move forward from invalidation and you know correct behavior that may need to be corrected um, as well. Uh, and there was something else, fudge buckets, while you were talking that I thought was really interesting. Um, fuck. Um, <laughs> 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 Uh, delivery matters, yada yada. hearing what someone else says. Um, oh,, uh, I did think like I don't know that either one of us were necessarily thinking of it in this setting, but another thing I was thinking of this the second point there about the like intellectual and personal growth. I think of that as happening a lot or being really important in like educational environments that maybe that's a place where people can maybe have experienced invalidation that didn't feel as bad, because you're kind of going to those places to learn and be shown where you're wrong and grow and change your ideas. (laughs) So maybe that's a place that people can connect with that, like, with how and where invalidation can be helpful, and maybe doesn't feel as bad as a way to connect to that experience. Because I know that I find it to be very important in and I certainly don't experience it as negatively in (laughs) educational environments. uh, Mm -hmm. If uh, invalidation is happening in that sort of
0: way or sense, so that, that was yeah. the thing I've I had some say. people actually tell me that too with like workplace settings oh sure yep that makes sense um same kind of an idea where they're like well I'm here to grow I'm here to learn I'm here to do the best that I can at my job and so when someone tells me hey you know you aren't basically your idea needs some work yes. <laughs> kind of an idea they're like I actually really appreciate that um yeah I've heard that too so that's a good point Okay, the second box, now we're switching gears, right? So as Kate said, it says at the top of the handout, notice that invalidation can be helpful and painful at the same time. So we just talked about two reasons where it can be helpful. Now we're going to talk about eight reasons where it can be painful. So that's the next box that I'm going to read. Uh, There's also a typo in this box, which there's not typos that often in the manual. Um, I will name the typo at the very end after I read through all eight of these. So it says, invalidation is painful when you are being ignored, you are being repeatedly misunderstood, you are being misread, you are being misinterpreted, Important facts in your life are ignored or denied. You are receiving unequal treatment. You are being disbelieved when being truthful. And when your private experiences are trivialized or denied. Hmm. So the correction that I made um, is that it says on this handout that invalidation is painful when you are not being repeatedly misunderstood. (laughs) (laughs) And I went... Um, <laughs> I, I think that's wrong. <laughs> so um, if you're following along with the handout as we're going over this episode, yes, I did correct number two there in this box. But yeah, those are the eight reasons that they give for when invalidation can be painful. It can be painful when any of those things are happening in communication with someone else. So what stands out most to you from that <laughs> box, Kate? Because I mean, those eight things all are like really Big and really powerful. And- yeah. Well,
1: my, my first yeah. response back was just, um, yes.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, those yeah, are all painful. Those all really
1: <laughs> suck. Those are really painful. I find them all terribly difficult. Um, mm-hmm. I know that part of it for me, uh, it's not obviously invalidation is painful for everybody. It's not, I don't know that there's a single person who, when feeling invalidated, is just like, that's great. That's my favorite feeling. Um, and also I know that I tend to be a bit more sensitive uh to invalidation real or perceived uh just because it happened uh like a lot <laughs> a lot in my childhood uh, especially with uh, the abuse and stuff from my mom uh and so i know that i also tend to have larger than potentially commensurate responses to most of these things so when i was reading through all of those i was like i'm sorry you want me to pick <laughs> those are all <laughs> terrible uh but if i look at it a little bit more closely probably the overall hardest not necessarily most painful i'll go over that one next but probably the hardest for me is when i'm being disbelieved when i'm being truthful uh i think because not only does that bring up like the sadness and the pain and all those other things that are most commonly associated with um with invalidation for me but also it brings up a lot of anger uh and also like desperation right to to be believed frantic like a kind of frantic feeling um so i would say that that one just brings so many other to me less common and harder to deal with emotions uh sadness pain that stuff i'm pretty good down at that end of the emotional pool uh anger frustration desperation a little harder um for sure just emotionally painful uh, I think number eight, uh, the, your private experiences are trivial, tri- fudge buckets are trivialized or denied. Um, that, I yeah, these are all terrible, but if I had to read, if I have to pick the terrible list <laughs> of the terrible for just ouch, right. For just hitting me in the emotional solar plexus, uh, it is when my experiences are just downplayed, right. By the people that I'm trying to come to, to, probably to validate them, right? Like most of the time, I think this happens in a place where you come really vulnerably to someone hoping for validation, hoping to be seen uh, and instead have things trivialized or put down is really, really hard. So that's definitely, I think the one that hits hardest in that end or that scale. Uh, and uh, not not, <laughs> not for healthy reasons, I will own that, but probably number six is the least difficult for me. The uh, You are receiving unequal treatment. I, ha- I tend to give myself unequal treatment. I don't tend to notice necessarily if I'm not getting equal treatment. Like I don't always have the best expectations uh, for how people are for me. So that's the least likely to raise alarms uh, or be noticed. Not
0: necessarily for good reasons, but there it is. That's all I've got. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think what's interesting about this is because, you know, kind of like you acknowledge right at the beginning when you first started talking, none of these feel good. No none of these, none of these eight ways that we can be invalidated feel good. And also different ones might be harder than others to cope with. And so, yeah, I, when I was reading through this, yep, same thing. I was thinking of a lot of these eight ways that invalidation can show up. Maybe what's the most common way that I feel invalidated by other people or like what's What's the toughest for me? And then also what's maybe the one that I'm able to, yeah, that, that I don't, I don't want to say like, doesn't bother me as much, but just me, I don't know. It doesn't stick with me in the same way. Like I was kind of saying, I think at the beginning, introducing the episode, like invalidation is a spectrum. Mm. There may be times where we are invalidated by another person and we never ever forget what they said or how we felt. Like it just has this lasting impact on us and then there's really small minor invalidations that don't we don't remember at all right and so when i think about well what are the more kind of major <laughs> or minor invalidations for me personally yeah i was kind of thinking the same as you in terms of yeah which of these those are so for me the toughest one cuz we had different ones which is interesting um for me the toughest one is the one that said important facts in your life are ignored or denied. Um you know DBT talks about this whole concept of we are doing our best and we can always do better. Both those things. And sometimes I I have people in my life and bless them. And I recognize, I recognize, I see it. I just need to remember it. (laughs) This is them. This isn't me, but they are the type of people who tend to focus more on the, and you can be doing better (laughs) part of that dialectic and will oftentimes point out to me without me asking for it, without me wondering about it. They'll just point out when I make mistakes or when I could be doing better. And the irony of this is that in so many ways, it's the two people who love me the most out of anybody, right? It's my mom and my husband. <laughs> they're not They're not doing it in any way to be mean or harsh. They're actually, I think, doing it in a place of trying to be helpful to point out when things could be different or better. <clears throat> But it feels so invalidating for me when I'm like, I am trying my best here. And then you just pointed out all these things that like I didn't get to today (laughs) or that, again, I could have done differently. And the reason why I feel like that matches up with the number five here of important facts in your life are ignored or denied. Sometimes I have to remind myself that they don't know all the facts of what happened. Right. They don't know what kind of day I've had, or what's going on behind the scenes for me all the time, they're just going off of what they see in the moment. And again, with just kind of the personalities that each of them have, that's just the way they move through the world, not towards me personally, but towards themselves and everybody (laughs) is they just kind of move through the world in the sense of this is, again, focusing on what could be better. Or what could be different? But it lands as invalidation for me because sometimes I want them to see more the part of, oh, well, no wonder Michelle did it that way, right? She did it that way because of all these other things that preceded that thing that happened. And those are the parts that feel like they're being ignored or denied. It's like, hey, look at all the challenges that I overcame (laughs) to even just get here. You know, I don't need my mom pointing out, oh, you're running late. I know I'm running late. (laughs) I did my best to get here on time. You know, can we look at or acknowledge, oh, there may have been good reasons here for why Michelle was running late as like a really benign example. Um, So that one's kind of tough for me, but that's how I try to cope with that one. So I don't know if that's helpful for anybody listening, but when you have those important facts in your life that are being ignored or denied by other people, Yeah. It helps me to remember that one, they can't know everything. It's impossible for people to know everything about my inner experience or again, what I've experienced just going through my day. They're not going to know. And also a lot of times that says more about them than it does about me, that they focus on, like I was saying, that end of the dialectic, the you can do better (laughs) end of that dialectic. That's on them. That's not... That's not on me. Uh, the one that felt... I don't even want to say like the easiest, but um, the one that would bother me the least out of the different ways that invalidation can look and show up is the you are being misinterpreted. Um, I don't know, I don't know why it's so easy for me to hold this belief. I just misinterpretations happen all the time every day. Constantly, inevitably, in all of our relationships we have with everybody is how I view misinterpretations. I view them as just par for the course, super normal, not a sign of anything being bad or wrong within the relationship or within the individuals in it. I just view them as commonplace. And so I often misinterpret other people and I am often misinterpreted myself by those around me. And so I think the biggest thing that it comes down to with that one for me is um, I don't mind being misinterpreted. What makes it harder, what feels more invalidating, is if I try to clear it up. If someone, if I'm aware that I'm being misinterpreted, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, let me explain it better. This is actually what I meant. And then hopefully what happens is that the other person goes, oh, oh, I see it now and we can both have better understanding. What's hardest for me about that one is if I try to clear up the misinterpretation and that doesn't seem to make a dent, Uh, which happens sometimes, right? The other person is still on the same train of thought that they were on originally And it doesn't matter that I'm trying to explain where I'm coming from or, oh, actually, like, yes, you're right about this. But this other piece, it actually felt more like this or whatever. Then I start to feel like I'm not being heard. Right. (laughs) That we get into some of these other ones. So misinterpretation by itself is not too difficult for me. Um, But it is about what happens after the misinterpretation and how myself and the person I'm interacting with, how we bounce back or recover from that. Um, But it's really easy for me to keep in mind that misinterpretations are certainly not personal. It's harder for me to keep the other one I was talking about in mind that it's not personal. Like I said just a minute ago, I know it's not. I know it's not personal (laughs) when there are just people who move through the world in that way of, again, constantly pointing out where you could be doing better and ignoring or denying the reasons why you may be struggling. Yep. I, I know that it's not personal, but that's harder for me to remember it's easier for me to remember that misinterpretations are not personal. They happen all the time. <laughs> so those are the ones that stood out for me the most nice. from okay. that box there. All right. So
1: the next one we're going to go over is actually 12 things. So Michelle and I have cut it into half, halvesies, Um And I will say that not quite perfectly, but uh, in reading it over again, well, not again, the first time really for the notes. Um, I was noting out loud to Michelle that I feel like the first half is kind of the, yeah, maybe the thing you were doing wasn't valid. Uh, And the the second half seems to be like, oh, when you're invalidated when what you were doing was valid. So I don't know if you guys will also notice that theme. But if you do uh, notice it in the first half, uh, the other half is coming.
0: (laughs) 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 Yes, that's true.
1: Um, So this uh, box is headed, be non-defensive and check the facts. And I think these are all even more explicitly how to recover from. Like a lot of those are just things to remember about invalidation. And I think these are more tactics to take than the last two boxes have been. Uh, So let's see, first one is check all the facts to see if your responses are valid or invalid. Check them out with someone you can trust to validate the valid. Number two, acknowledge when your responses don't make sense and are not valid. Number three, Work to change invalid thinking, comments, or actions. Also, stop blaming. It rarely helps a situation. Number four, drop judgmental self-statements. Practice opposite action. Uh, Next one says, remind yourself that all behavior is caused and that you are doing your best. And the sixth one is, be compassionate towards yourself. Practice self-soothing.
0: Yeah, when I first looked at this box of twelve things, yeah, I was just like, the, "There's so much contained here." Mm-hmm. <laughs> even just splitting it into two, I'm a little bit like, "Where to start with even just those six that you just named?" Because they're all so important. <laughs> um, yeah, so important. But there were there were three out of those six that really stood out to me, and I'll talk a little bit about why. Um, the dropping judgmental self statements, the fourth one you named. This is so, so important because I think a big factor in how easily we recover from invalidation by other people or how difficult it is for us depends on how judgmental we are of ourselves in the first place. Before that invalidating comment is ever said, What is our relationship like with ourselves? Do we have a very strong inner critic that is with us at all times, constantly berating us and invalidating us internally? Or do we tend to move through the world in a way where we're pretty kind to ourselves? And when we make mistakes or you know, mess things up. We're just able to speak with kindness and encouragement and say, hey, it's okay. You were trying your best. You'll learn from this. You'll do better next time. Whatever that looks like for you. But I honestly think that number four is a very important place to start of dropping judgmental self-statements. And you can work on that Uh, Just in your day-to-day life, you don't have to wait until after you have been invalidated by somebody else to then work on that. This is great work to be doing at baseline so that when invalidation happens, which as we've already acknowledged, it will. It will happen that if you're doing this on a regular basis, it's going to sting a little bit less. And this is something that, yeah, I've had to do a lot of work on of really making sure that again when somebody has pointed out the like you could be doing better part of things to get to a place where I can maybe acknowledge like well yeah that's true they're not they're not like wrong but I also don't need to beat myself up about that I can just be like oh yeah good to know (laughs) and I can keep it moving (laughs) And it doesn't need to be that then I stew in that the rest of the day and tell myself, oh my God, I'm an idiot. How could I have thought that? Blah, blah, blah. Why did I do that? Da, 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 So number four, super important. Uh, I really, really, really like, probably my favorite of those first six is the remind yourself that all behavior is caused and that you are doing your best. I've already been touching on that. <laughs> I didn't realize I was actually touching too much on that one Um, up until this point in the episode, but I really have been driving that point home of anything that you do, there is a reason for it. You may not know what that reason is. There's a reason for it, and that we are. We're trying our best at all times, and we talk about this at length on other episodes of the podcast. I feel like it comes up in Q&A sometimes, right? We talk about how our best is not always good, but Like, you are, you're trying. So even when somebody else doesn't see it, which is a lot of what I was talking about with, uh, excuse me, the important facts in your life are ignored or denied by other people. They may not understand the cause of your behavior. They may not see that you're doing your best, but you can see that for yourself. Um, So both of those Right. Um, And actually, the next one I'm about to talk about, too, I realize all of the three so far are just it's, it's all internal work. Right. It's just really making sure that you are changing how you are interpreting and thinking about the invalidation and having something that you can come back with for yourself. That's going to be a little more kind and comforting than what you were just told by someone else. Uh, and then I liked number three, even though I was like, man, <laughs> that's tough. Um, number three says work to change invalid thinking, comments, or actions. It's the whole thing of like, also stop blaming. It rarely helps a situation. That's what number three says. Um, I don't think we are often aware of the times when we may be having invalid thinking, com- <laughs> thinking comments or actions. Um, we like, I don't know. I feel like now I'm, now I'm kind of like second guessing what I was going to say about this one, because I think it's one of those things where the way I was thinking about it is again, like internal, internal work around, um, our own ways that we can have invalid thinking comments or actions just as we go through our lives. But, I think also how we could maybe interpret this one is that when we are, again, the recipient of invalid thinking, comments, or actions, what it talks about, like the stop blaming, I think it's so easy to try to turn that, right? Like we just want to point the finger and say the person who invalidated us, like they're the problem, right? Rather than just being like, okay, that's their take, but what's mine? What's mine? What do I think about this? and that that's the internal work is to try to see if you can spin it a different way rather than turning to blaming but yeah that was just the one to me when i read it where i was like work work to change invalid thinking comments or actions i was like that sounds like a very very tall order <laughs> but also if you can if you can do that again if you can get to a place where uh, yeah, you can put that different spin on it and also just really being mindful for yourself of how you're moving through the world, right? Because like I said, I think we all also have invalid thinking, comments and actions within ourselves <laughs> that we go forth in the world and put out there, whether we intend to or not. We need to check ourselves and we also need to check the things that come in from other people without without blaming them. Um Or getting angry at them in response. So, those were the three that I really thought about. I see looking at your notes, you're gonna talk about the first and the second one as part of what came up for you. So, we're gonna hit on all of these, I think, in some way or another. Almost. Except for maybe number six. six. (laughs) Which is interesting, because I think we love six. We do love Uh, six. Be compassionate toward yourself (laughs) and practice self-soothing. I thought for sure that'd be like a shoo-in for you, but... (laughs) That's funny.
1: Um, That's fair. Uh, Honorable mention, perhaps. Uh, So uh, the first one that I just noticed, maybe in a little bit of a pat myself on the head, is I I actually think I do a lot of number one. Like, that's the thing I habitually engage in, is running stuff past somebody I can trust. Um, Now, grant you, I... Think this can go multiple different ways. I like that it says uh, to check facts with someone you can trust to validate the valid, uh, because uh, that's most of what I'm using it for. Is often I'm at least the worst person at invalidating myself, uh, and so sort of like Michelle and I talk a lot about that. Sometimes check the facts shows you that your response, you know, isn't so much you know with the facts, but sometimes checking the facts actually validates you know what your response has been. Uh, so I find it really helpful to be able to run things past, uh, someone I can trust both because if it's someone I trust that much, it's probably easier to hear from them if they're like, e- yeah, <laughs> maybe you oughtn't to have done that. Maybe that was not the most, uh, valid response there. Um, but who will also tell me like, nah, lady, you're good, right? Like that was a totally valid response to that situation. Um, so that's a that's a really helpful one for me, even if it's driven a bit by a lot of self-doubt. I think it is still really helpful for me uh, for moving past invalidation myself uh, delivered by myself or others. Um, number two, the acknowledge when your responses don't make sense and are not valid of this list is probably the hardest for me.
0: Yeah, that um, is tough.
1: <laughs> it's like it. It's like I'm giving someone ammunition against me, right? Is how it can feel, right? I can feel like, well, if I admit that the thing I'm doing doesn't make sense or isn't valid, then, oh my God, everyone's going to pile up on me and it's just going to be terrible forever. Uh, When, honestly, how it actually tends to go when I do make it through doing this part, (laughs) it is strangely relieving, Relaxing like just to not be defensive, right? To just go, yeah, no, that that response didn't make any sense. I mean, not none, right? As Michelle was saying, everything we do is caused and to whatever, you know, not to whatever, to, I too can form English sentences that make sense. Um, (laughs) uh, Let's see, how do I want to phrase what I'm trying to say? Um, Our responses may, not may, do make sense given our context and history, but that doesn't mean they make sense to the person (laughs) for We're reacting to. Right. Um, and so I think that's what it likes to mean by make sense, because I, I think it seems a little bit contradictory, not dialectical, but contradictory to say your behavior doesn't make any sense. And remember that all of your stuff is caused. Um, so <laughs> I don't know this. I'm really like, oh, it really doesn't make sense so much as look at like Ooh, right? like that, maybe not um, based so much in objective reality as it is based in your trauma or your history or your reality. Uh, And so I think that's where you can look at the dialectic. Your behavior responses may make perfect sense given your internal context and make no bloody sense looking at the objective reality uh, of what's going on uh, to most people. Uh, So hard as fuck. And also, um, (laughs) it's like peaceful. It's just it's like a relief to let down the guard and just be able to be like, yeah, no, because most of the time it's not that I don't know somewhere in there (laughs) that the thing I'm doing doesn't make sense or isn't valid. I just don't want to admit it uh, because it feels scary. Um, So that's actually a really powerful one, if wildly difficult for me anyway. Uh, And then I think the one both Michelle and I talk about uh, number four of the dropping judgmental self statements. Uh, And I I just think I picked that one out just because it is difficult and also very effective. Like I think it threads a nice needle there. Uh, Number two is really effective for me, but so hard to access that it's not probably the the first one for me to turn to. Um, It's probably a second or third step down the line. Uh, And uh, number one is great, but not quite, I don't know. It's easier, but not quite as effective on my internal state. Uh, so I picked number four because if I can lay off the blame and the self-judgments, um, that is a big doorway to being able to acknowledge that my responses didn't make sense or aren't valid, right? Like it's a it's a way to get into better spaces for me uh, if I can let go of those judgments. Um obviously being compassionate to yourself and self-soothing is great. I just realize I'm not always as great about them in this context, so I didn't pick them. <laughs> All right, Michelle, what's the next one's
0: Yeah, so the remaining 6 things in this box. I'll just start by saying number 7 and I'll read down from there. So, the 7th one says, "Admit that it hurts to be invalidated by others, even if they are right." Number 8. Acknowledge when your reactions make sense and are valid in the situation. Number nine, remember that being invalidated, even when your response is actually valid, is rarely a complete catastrophe. Number 10, describe your experiences and actions in a supportive environment. Number 11, grieve traumatic invalidation and the harm it created. The last one, number 12, says practice radical acceptance of the invalidating person.
1: Ooh, I like that. That seems, an, oh, why am I yawning? Sorry, guys. Yeah, that caught me off guard. Um, That reminds me a lot of what you were talking about with, ooh, was it box number two? We may not like how someone is delivering the message, but it's still important uh, perhaps mm-hmm. to hear it. That dovetails well for that one, Um, which I hadn't thought about when writing my notes, but it makes sense after hearing you talk about it. Um. What did I actually put? Okay. Oh, we're getting there, guys. My brain's trying. Ah, let's see. So (laughs) number number one, no, not number one. The first of these that I listed uh, was actually number eight. The uh, acknowledge when your reactions make sense and are valid in a situation. This may seem contradictory considering I was saying how hard it is for me to admit that they don't make sense and are Yeah, it's, invalid, the, it's the
0: inverse. <laughs>
1: but it's pretty situationally dependent because sometimes number eight is actually hard for me. I can be so self-invalidating and so self-judgmental and so hard on myself that sometimes when I tip so far into that sort of space, I actually need some outside help uh, to see that my uh, experiences are valid uh, and make sense, which... Circles all the way back up to number one, right? Having somebody else help me check the facts. That's often what that's sort of doing uh, there for me when I'm reaching for outside help for number eight. Um, uh, Number 11, which is the grieve traumatic invalidation and the harm it created. That is that is an ongoing work in progress um, for me. It's probably one that didn't start for a while, but is a huge part of my therapy probably over the years is just different types of and forms of and times of really working to to grieve um the I like uh, you know, I don't know it puts it perfectly traumatic invalidation uh that's that's a lot of what I got uh, as a kiddo and trying to recover from that has is taking me slash has taken me <laughs> a lot of time um but it's it's absolutely one of the most important if I can grieve, uh, and in turn start to heal from and move on from some of those more uh, traumatic invalidations from my past, that helps me be better, uh, be less sensitive, right, to invalidation in the current moment, helps me move faster through invalidation in the current moment, uh, and makes me less likely to be the one invalidating (laughs) me <laughs> so uh, that work is really important work for me uh i've made a lot of progress i also have a lot of progress to make <laughs> on that one uh and michelle you're gonna talk more about number 10 um but i think it's i think it's fun that this is another one where both you and i overlapped
0: yeah uh, we liked this one <laughs> we
1: liked this one describe your experiences and actions in a supportive environment really i think what we're finding is i'm just saying number one so in- like three different ways um but uh so I was just saying thanks to Michelle and to my therapist Nicole for being the two uh most supportive environments in which I find myself uh describing
0: these sorts of experiences and actions so
1: thank you for being part of that environment for me Michelle
0: you're welcome thanks for being part of that for me uh-huh. that's what I wrote down too about that one <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah. So I. I don't know. I guess just kind of there were again three that really stood out to me, and I'll start with number nine, uh, which says that remember that being invalidated, even when your response is actually valid, is rarely a complete catastrophe. And I thought this was important because when it comes to checking the facts, if you think about that skill and one of the things that it talks about on the worksheet, it wants you to think about like what is the catastrophe here. What is the worst case scenario um, when you've thought through, like, what could the threat be? Like, basically, when you're working through the check the facts worksheet, it wants you to really dive into, like, what are you actually most worried about here? and What is the worst that could happen? And it is true (laughs) what it says here. Um... And like we were talking about earlier, I mean, it's a spectrum, I think when it comes to invalidation and how bad and how, how hurtful it can be. So there may really be some invalidating things that could be said to you that, again, really, really stick with you and impact your view of yourself and your view of the world, like very significantly. That absolutely can and does happen. However, most of the time, it's not a catastrophe when we're invalidated and at least for me right and i think this is where it's helpful kate that like we kind of have two very different lived experiences Mm -hmm. because even though we're not diving in too much to this right i know that like the invalidation that you've received like from your mom throughout your childhood that is traumatic invalidation right um some of the things that your mom has said to you and all of that. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm talking about a little more on the minor end of the spectrum, like with the random example I gave earlier, if my mom's like, Michelle, you're late again, blah, blah, blah. Right. That's a minor invalidation, people. Right. That's there's no catastrophe there. It doesn't mean that it feels good. No, it doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't feel good to receive any type of criticism or any type of invalidation. But when we can remind ourselves of that, of like, you know what? Her saying that actually has like no bearing or impact on how I'm going to go through the rest of my day. Like it really, it really, it really doesn't. Like, yeah, I wish she hadn't made that comment, but there is no catastrophe here. It can just be a hopeful reminder. When again, hopefully most of the invalidation that we will experience, at least I wouldn't classify it as traumatic, Invalidation. Um, so assuming that you're not experiencing traumatic invalidation from another person, yes, it can be helpful to remind yourself that it's not a catastrophe to be invalidated by another person. It's not, the world will not end. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I also love number 10. I'll just move on to the next one there. Describe your experiences and actions in a supportive environment. I think that is a really great, um, I don't know, way to like heal a wound, right? If you just got a hurtful comment from someone and it hurt and it sucks is to be able to find other people who are rarely invalidating of you and who you do feel safe with and to spend a little bit of time with them. Sure, you can go to them if you want and be like, well, so-and-so just said blah, 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 and it really hurt my feelings, and I'm feeling super invalidated by them. I just want to talk to you about exactly what happened. I mean, it can look that way, but it can also just be like, even if you're not talking about the invalidating experience that you just had, just being in the presence of validating people. And when I say the presence, I don't necessarily mean in person, over the phone, over text, whatever it is, just connecting with people who are more validating of you. Even if you're not talking about the invalidating experience can be really helpful. So yes, Kate, I also thought of you. Um, (laughs) and for me too, I thought of like my dad, my dad's a really validating person for me and Celia, my therapist. Um, She's also validating, oh man, like, you know, in true therapist form, she's challenging too. <laughs> let me tell you, right? She, she threads that needle of just kind of like, Michelle, I totally see what you did. I see why you did it. And also, oh. <laughs> what's going on there deeper under the surface for why you did the thing you did? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, but that's what therapy's there for. Um, but yeah, that that can be really, really helpful. So I I like it actually that we're both kind of hammering that point home that yeah, if you've been invalidated, go find a supportive other to, to be with or to talk about the invalidating experience with and that may help bring you some healing when you're likely not going to get that healing from the person who just invalidated you. Sorry, wish that was the case, but they may not see anything wrong with what they said or did. Um, and that's just reality, which actually (laughs) I didn't even think about that. That kind of blends in nicely with the last one I was going to talk about, which is number 12, Mm -hmm. the final one that says practice radical acceptance of the invalidating person. Um, I realized, I guess that I was touching on this a little bit earlier. You know, I mentioned that sometimes (laughs) two of the people that I do that I, and again, minor, minor invalidations, you guys, but Still, that I feel most invalidated by are sometimes my mom and my husband, the two people who I spend the most time with, who I am closest to. Um, Probably no surprise that that sets it up for there to be a greater likelihood of invalidation potentially happening. I just think sometimes what happens by nature is that the closer we are with another person, the more likely it is that that relationship... It just carries more weight in our lives, and so another person could say exactly the same thing to me, and it's not going to feel as heavy as it does coming from either of them, right? It just carries more weight because I'm so close with both of them. So the things they say hit a little harder, and again, it's not necessarily them. It's just sort of the nature of the relationship and that plays a big role in it. But, you know, I have really, really, and I still really work on radically accepting who they are and why they each move through the world in the way they do. That has nothing to do with me, right? So much of the time when somebody is invalidating you, it's not actually about you. Like, I get it, they are saying something to you about you. But it's not about you, (laughs) right? It, It is about something deeper within them that they would want to say that invalidating comment or that that's the way that they're thinking about the thing that you just did. Or we don't know, again, what kind of day they're having or all of their history or their background that has brought them to that present moment when they invalidate you. They may have a lot of other shit going on. Um, and again, that's not to say that it's okay that they invalidated you. And of course it doesn't feel good that they invalidated you and it's not fair. And also like, it's going to be so much more healing for you rather than just like harboring anger towards them and just getting pissed off that they invalidated you to practice some radical acceptance of who they are and what you know of them. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you're going to know more and sometimes you're going to know less But being able to bring in some radical acceptance is going to actually be really, really beneficial for you to be able to depersonalize the invalidating thing that was said. If you are able to recognize and accept things about the other person who's saying it. So that's a tough one, Mm -hmm. but it does help. And I can say that from personal experience with working on radical acceptance um, with, yeah, with both of them for me, it's, it's tough, but it's worth it. Okay. Takeaways. Yeah. yeah. What? what stood out to each of us from what we talked about.
1: Um, well, uh, first one isn't exactly a takeaway per se, as so I just thought it needed to be mentioned because I liked it a lot. The last little I don't know, blurb in all bold that it says on the handouts apropos of nothing else leading up to it is just validate yourself exactly the way you would validate someone else. I just like that. Just a reminder that uh, we're people too. You know, you're a person. And what works with the people you love probably is helpful to do for yourself as well. Um, what I actually noticed is how many, many things were the same thing uh basically i realized that so many of the things at least that i picked maybe you didn't notice this for your stuff but at least for the things i picked i realized i tended to pick like three different ways of saying the same thing or coming to the same point (laughs) so i was realizing that a lot of the different pieces that they pulled out as separate really uh go well together or are based on some of the same thoughts or facts or principles or things like that and that um I really seemed to come back again and again to like touching base with other people. Like that was a big part for me. I think that, uh, came up again and again, uh, and just, uh, the weird struggle both with validating and with invalidating myself that, uh, in different times and places, both of those are a struggle for me, which I thought was kind of funny to realize. <laughs> so I think those are my, my two <laughs> things. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's hard for me to pick one. I love so much of all of the 12 things. <laughs> that it says in the last box, but um I think the the biggest thing, I'm not even going to just like pick pick one of those, but if I had to really encompass the general message that it's getting across there is, you know, I talk about this a lot with clients, right? There are things within our control and there are things without or outside of our control so dialectic. (laughs) And that really what this handout did in a really nice way was spelling out those 12 things is that it just gave you 12 things to do that are within your control that don't involve really, I mean, looking at the list, most of them, right? It's, It's all internal stuff. It's all internal. Um, it's not about, I mean, you could, right? But it's not about saying to the person who just invalidated you, hey, <laughs> I didn't like that. That didn't feel good for me, <laughs> right? I mean, you can, there's there's nothing wrong if you really want to like say, hey, that was hard and I need to let you know that. That was a really painful comment that you just said about me. By all means, say that if you want to. I just know that for so many of us, myself included, the thought of doing that is terrifying. Um, (laughs) And that when it comes to doing this work of recovering from invalidation, it is a lot of inner work. It's a lot of really looking at how you took that thing that was just said to you, which you can't control. We cannot control what comes out of another person's mouth. We can't, (laughs) we cannot control it, but it's taking what they just said and it is figuring out, oh, but now I am in control of what I do with that and how I'm going to process it and how I'm going to interpret it. And this really breaks down a lot of different things that you can try out Um, By all means, we say this a lot with DBT. Don't feel like you need to do all 12. Start with one. (laughs) Start with one. Do that. Move on to more if you'd like. But um, that there are all of these things that you can just do for yourself that's going to change what just happened. Even if you can't press the rewind button and ever have those words taken back. Like, I just really appreciated how this handout gave so many things that you can do for healing that again, have nothing to do with like saying something to another person or, (laughs) you know, it's just so much of it is internal work that's going to help you move forward from the invalidation rather than stay like mired in it, which happens often. I think that We do. We just, we replay it over and over and over again and we get stuck there. We start to maybe think it's true what they said about us. (laughs) And I just really appreciated how, especially that last box with the 12 things was just like, nope, you do have, you do have control here. You have options. You have things that you can do. So try some of these out and then see how it changes your experience. Like they didn't just take away all your power with what they said about you you still have power about what you do next. That's what stood out for me overall. Lovely. And now it's kind of the youth show for the rest of them. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to wrap us up first with talking about coffee hour and then with doing closing moment. Uh, So coffee hour first coffee hour is coming up right around the corner on Monday, March 4th. So, Uh, We did, um, this was, yeah, a few weeks ago, back uh, February 5th was the date of the last coffee hour. We talked all about, in that coffee hour, the distress tolerance skills. More specifically, we spelled out the order that people can teach distress tolerance skills in and different activities they can do with their clients in a group setting for each of the distress tolerance skills. And we spent a lot of the time during the coffee hour with Kate and I taking turns talking about the main key points of each skill, the things that they don't say on the handouts, basically. Um, So we put together a bunch of handouts for the people who signed up for coffee hour. And then we spent a lot of the time talking about all the extra stuff that we think is really important. So I say all that to lead up to we're about to do the exact same thing just with emotion regulation skills. So if you are um, either an aspiring or current mental health professional and you're wanting to really make sure that you feel confident in teaching your clients about emotion regulation skills, that's what Coffee Hour is going to be all about on the 4th. So we're going to basically do the same thing. We're going to have a crap ton of handouts, (laughs) Um, and emotion regulation, I was realizing this too, there are a lot of handouts for emotion regulation because they have like those handouts. Um, maybe you'll know what I'm talking about, Kate. the ones where it goes over like each emotion. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know how many handouts there are going to be that we give to people, but we're going to give all the handouts from the manual that you need for each skill. And then, um, Also, again, making sure that we talk through different activities and different ways that you can engage clients with using the skills and practicing them in a group setting, or I mean, individually, the activities work just as well. And then we're going to be doing the same thing. We're going to be just going skill by skill, and we're going to really be talking about what we think is important to teach your clients about the skill, what we think the main key takeaways are. So then... When it's your turn to talk about it with your clients, you can share some of what we talk about with you. That is the goal. So if you want to join us for Coffee Hour, the link is in the show notes to sign up. I feel like I say this all the time, but I actually don't know how much I say it out loud on the podcast. I just post about it a lot in the Facebook group. If you can't attend live on March 4th, Mm. sign up anyways. Um, Because we do Coffee Hours from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. But we don't know what time that is for you, wherever you are in the world, or you just may be busy or have better, excuse me, better things to do. We love having live attendees. We've had live attendees the past few times and it's been amazing. So we always hope that a few people can show up live, but sign up for Coffee Hour anyways, because you'll get all the handouts. You'll get the replay to watch later. So you'll get all of it and you can get to it then on your own time. So. No pressure if you're busy on March 4th and can't attend live with us, but we'd love to have you sign up anyways. Okay, I think that's it about coffee hour. So now I'm going to move into closing moment. Um, I guess to give a little bit of a lead into closing moment, um, I'm going to be refreshing and rereading that last box of 12 things. Um, as part of the closing moment. So (laughs) don't be surprised if as I'm going along, you're like, hey, this is all sounding familiar. Yes, it is what we just talked about. I'm just going to incorporate it into the closing moment so that it really hopefully makes a lasting impact all of these things. Okay, so wherever you are, just take a couple moments to start noticing your breath, whether you are walking, standing, sitting or lying down, just start by noticing your breath, however it is in this moment. And if you feel safe and comfortable doing so, you can close your eyes And to start today's closing moment, think about a time when you experienced invalidation by someone else. This may be a time that was recent, that just happened. Or you may easily recall an invalidating time that took place a while ago, but has stuck with you. And just take a moment to think back on that memory, what happened and what was said And as you think about that time, I'm going to slowly read through the list of 12 things that you can do to take care of yourself. And as I read each one, just imagine yourself doing that and notice how you feel. Check all the facts to see if your responses are valid or invalid. Check them out with someone you can trust to validate the valid. Acknowledge when your responses don't make sense and are not valid. Work to change invalid thinking, comments, or actions. Stop blaming. It rarely helps a situation. Drop judgmental self-statements. You can do this by practicing opposite action if you like. Remind yourself that all behavior is caused and that you are doing your best. Be compassionate toward yourself. Practice self-soothing. Admit that it hurts to be invalidated by others, even if they are right. Acknowledge when your reactions make sense and are valid in a situation. Remember that being invalidated, even when your response is actually valid, is rarely a complete catastrophe. Describe your experiences and actions in a supportive environment. Grieve traumatic invalidation and the harm it created. And finally, practice radical acceptance of the invalidating person. And just take a couple of moments here to notice how you're feeling after. Taking some time to be with all of those 12 things on that list. Notice how your body feels. And notice if it felt like anything shifted from how you were viewing the invalidating experience before this closing moment to how you might be viewing it now. Whenever you're ready, you can start to bring some gentle movement back into your body. might want to return your attention back to just noticing your breaths. And whenever you're ready, you can open your eyes. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. To learn more about us and the DBT skills we're teaching each week, join our Facebook group, Simply log in to your Facebook profile and search for DBT and me podcast.